Good morning. Welcome. I am glad you're here. It's great to see you. I know some of you, maybe this is the first time coming out. I mean, we're so glad. I know it's hard sometimes to step into a new place. Um, thank you for doing that. Um, and hey, 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 many of you thought we would never finish First and Second Samuel, didn't you? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know who you are. But we did. We're done. And as Julie mentioned, we're going to um, spend the next eight weeks or so in the book of Psalms, and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So when I was in high school, I swam, and uh, we were a team of 20, and we had 18 average swimmers and two All-Americans. I was not one of the All-Americans. I was one of the average swimmers. But I remember when I swam on a relay with one of these guys, I always swam full out because it didn't matter how far we were behind. These guys could make up so much ground so fast. We always had hope, no matter how far we were behind. They were that good. That's a little bit of a picture of us in life and hard circumstances. Sometimes we can think we're done. We're overwhelmed. But like those two All-Americans, God gives us hope. He, if you'll let me use the term, can make up so much ground so fast in life. So this morning I want to talk about why do we always have hope? And to do that, as Julie mentioned, we're going to uh, look at Psalms 42 and 43. So if you have a Bible, if you'd open there, Psalm 42 and 43. And uh, we will go through these two Psalms, wrestling with this question, why do we always have hope? Why do we always have hope? Like Julie said, we're going to spend the rest of the summer in the book of Psalms. I think we've got 10 weeks. We'll spend eight of those in the Psalms. We'll have a couple guest speakers. I'll do seven of those. And then the highlight will be, of course, when Nate Gotchel speaks in two weeks, he will do a psalm. Yeah, you bet. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, you know, the Psalms are songs. They're poems. People expressing joy. People expressing pain. People expressing disappointment with God. They're real. Where are you? I feel like you've rejected me. And we're going to go through these. And we're going to see people wrestling and, and wondering and how come. And, and in the end, finding God. And we're going to believe that we can hope again. Because our hope like swimming with those All-Americans, if we have hope, we can live full out. We lose hope. We lose motivation to live. Psalms 42 and 43, all scholars would say, are one unit. Um, since about 1985, I've read five psalms and a proverb a day, more or less. I missed a psalm, but more or less. For the last 39 or 40 years or so, I've been in the Psalms and Proverbs, and it allows me to get through uh, all the Psalms and the Proverbs in, in a month. And this is a personal favorite of mine. Um, I've got one of these kind of personalities. Any of you have that? Got, a, got a kind of a melancholy personality? So I really relate. Drive my wife crazy, but I really relate to the psalmist, the, the wife who lives so steadily. But I take a lot of connection. I take a lot of joy I feel like I understand 
the writer in there. So I wanted to start in Psalms 42 and 43 with the idea that we can hope again. It starts this way, Psalm 42, verse 1. It says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. Starts with a simile. Remember, right? Simile is when you use the word as. It's not a metaphor. It's a simile. And this deer apparently has been running and running and is thirsty and is now panting for water. About two years ago, I started doing these uh, high-intensity interval training classes, and I walked in, and I noticed when I walked in, everybody had a water bottle. Everybody had a water bottle. I thought, isn't that a little bit of an overkill? Everybody's got a water bottle. Then I started doing the class, and I thought, no, it's not an overkill. I, I need to get a water bottle. Because you do, and they give you a break, and take a drink, and I never drink. Okay, so I'm going to get. But this, this writer is, is thirsty, is desperate, is panting for God. He goes on in verse 2 to say, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He wants to be in God's presence. We're thirsty people. God created us with a thirst for him. My question to you is, what is your thirst? Well, Andy, I don't know. Well, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me see if I can help clarify it. We're... Where do you spend a bulk of your time? That'll tell you what your thirst is. How do you spend your money? That'll tell what you're longing for. When you, when you daydream, what, what do you think about? When you have conversations, among friends, what, what do you talk about? Talk about the Huskers, Wolverines, pick your team. may answer the question, how are you quenching your thirst? My question is, uh, as, as you think about how I quench my thirst, how's that working out for you? Do you feel like you, you're, you're satisfied that, that the thirst is getting quenched with whatever you're using to quench it? Verse 3, the psalmist, and we get an idea of what's going on, what's driving this. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? He's like, I got these tormentors, and it's going on and on and on. And then they, 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 they point at me, where's your God? So what's the circumstance, or what are the circumstances that are driving you to God? Here's my experience when these circumstances are ongoing and they don't seem to get resolved, maybe it's a health diagnosis, maybe it's a job situation, maybe it's a, a relationship that you just can't seem to, to get figured out, maybe it's the end of the month, you're always, and it's going on and on. You, you know what those circumstances say? Where's your God? It goes on and on. Where's your God? Are you foolish? To be trusting in this God. Have you taken it too far? Because it's not getting resolved. The psalmist is battling. This is, what, this is why I love the psalms. It's real. We know the answer God's supposed to be. But, but we get in circumstances that go on and on and on. And we ask the question, God, where are you? That's where this psalmist is. He's struggling 
to hope. He's battling to hope. If you lose hope, you lost reason to live. So he's, he's got this going on, and he says this. He says, these things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. And so what are you going to remember? He says, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. You know what he's remembering? He's remembering worshiping God. And he's calling on that corporate experience of worshiping God to carry him when he's doubting God right now. When we come in to worship, it is not, let's get through some songs so we can get to the sermon. Got a pair of heart for Andy. No, 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 no. It, it holds its own. There is value in coming together with the people of God and worshiping God. That's different than listening to a CD in your car, though that has value. There's something about this corporate worship experience that says, this guy says, in my struggle, I'm remembering that. And I encourage you to be with us every Sunday that we can corporately worship God. That will nurture your soul. It will nurture mine as we come together. And in those moments when we wonder, man, where is God? This guy says, I, I think back on that. So that leads him to ask this question. He's got these tormentors. He's got this stuff going on. So he asks this question in verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. There's the battle. I got these circumstances. They, you know what they scream at me? They keep on going. They scream, they're screaming, where is your God? You're, you're nutty to believe in God. You're, you're crazy to do this. But he said, then I remember God. I remember worshiping God. I remember God. And, and, and I, I asked my, my soul, why are you in despair? In light of who God is, why are you despairing? Because God's bigger than these circumstances. This is one of three times we will hear this refrain. We'll hear it in verse 5, right here. We'll hear it in verse 11 of Psalm 42, and we'll hear it in verse 5, uh, five of Psalm 43. It's what he comes back to. Why are you in despair? So he's wrestling, how can I be so foolish as to let those circumstances realize I, I, I stop me from hoping in God? But he's real. He's like me, and maybe he's like you. It's a battle. Because right after making that statement of faith, he's doubting. He says, oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. I mean, you just said, why, why are you in despair? Remember that you saw that in verse 5? No, he said, why, why? My soul is in despair with me. It's a battle to continue believing God. If you struggle with that, welcome to the human race. It's a battle. That's why we need each other. That's why we need worship. That's why we need to be in the word of God, because we're in a battle. Here's what he says. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. And, and scholars don't know what, what, what's the significance of this. Their best guess is those are places he had a connection with God. I remember those places I went and I met with God. So I became a Christian when I was a student at Texas A&M. I remember places. That was 40 years ago. I remember places I went to meet with God. I graduated 
went on staff with Campus Crusade at Colorado State University. I remember places there that I went. To me, I was in the student union, back in the student union. My next assignment was in Greeley, I, I, Colorado. I, I remember places. I was in Turkey two summers. I remember being on a mission trip, and I would go certain places. This guy is remembering places he went. He's trying to recall his connection with God. Verse 7, he says, deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. And a lot of times water is life-giving. The, the metaphor here is it's overwhelming. It's, it's deep. I mean, remember he stepped in and I'm, I'm over my head? He said, man, it's really deep in here. All your breakers and your have rolled over me. It's as if he's getting washed along by the water. But then he says, that again, the, the battle going on within him, he said, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. He says, God's going to direct his loving kindness to me. Right here, I'm directing it to you. Sometimes I'll watch the end of a game, a sport. It doesn't matter, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. But, but the athlete will walk off the field. And, and the kids will be clamoring. He's got sweatbands or he's got a shirt or whatever. And, and, and he'll take it like he'll throw it. And, and everybody's reaching. And, and the athlete will go, no, 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 no. I, I, want, I want you, that, that little boy right there. No, this is going, everybody else get away. This is going to him. He's picked out. Do you understand God's picked you out? He's picked me out. And he's directing his loving kindness. That's the psalmist's hope. But then we see the battle. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Remember, he's got this battle, but these circumstances, they scream at him, and he, and he, he doubts God again. As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While I say to me all day long, where is your God? That's what ongoing circumstances do. They, they, and where is God? And we begin to doubt the one who says he'll be faithful to us, whether or not it's true. In Isaiah 49, God wrote this about his commitment to his people. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. He's going to argue from lesser to greater. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. That's how I'll never forget you. He, he argues, imagine the nursing mother. She won't leave her baby Ever. As true as that, infinitely more, God says, I, I will never fail you. I will never leave you. Our older son was born down in Chile, and he was a couple of months old, and Hope was out for a walk. And, and she told, I wasn't with her, but she told me about this. A bigger dog came. And, and usually it's kind of like a bigger dog comes my way. I'm, I'm split, and I'm out of here. But she had her newborn in her stroller. And it's like she stepped in front of the stroller, and that dog is kind of like, you may get to my kid, but you're going to have to come through me. Without the kid, it's like, I'm out of, I'm, I'm, I'm backing out. That's how mothers are. I mean, you saw Julie's child? I mean, they're, they're committed. And God says, infinitely more, I am committed. As much as a nursing mom as I am committed, I won't. But what do we do? We're like the psalmist, aren't we? 
We get hard circumstances that continue and continue, and they say, where is your God? And we begin to doubt. We lose hope. We stop hoping. And my hope is that we'll hope again as we're in these psalms. So that brings us back to the second time we hear this refrain. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Now, I've told you I'm one of these people that goes up and down and I get concerned and I get fixated and it's kind of like I forget about God. And So this is me. You can do it. But I journal. I journal every day. You know what I do sometimes? I write down on paper. It helps me. Write it down. This, this is what's worrying me. This is what's bothering me. And then I look at that in light of who God is. And I ask the question, in light of this, Andy, why are you in despair, oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed? Hope in God. Isn't God bigger, Andy, than what you've written on your paper? I need to make it that concrete for me because I lose the battle more than I win it. As an act of faith, I have to come back to this psalm and ask, in light of God is, who God is, can I join the psalmist in saying, why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Well, starting in Psalm 43, these concerns are converted to a prayer. Here's what he says. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. God, I'm going to let you plead my case. But again, the, the, the seed of doubt. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Can he still battle it? So he says, oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Light and truth. Light dispels darkness. Truth clarifies confusion. Now, this metaphor is real. We were leaving, went to visit a friend in Chicago this week, and we left early. 5.15, we're on the road because we wanted to get, he was in North Chicago, we wanted to get around O'Hare where things would back up and we do. And I think, we got it. We're good. And we get into western Illinois and and into uh, eastern Iowa and this fog comes over the road. And it's all of a sudden, this easy drive is becoming very stressful because we can't see. And then we'd come to points where where the sun came out and we'd think, good, the light and the fog has dissipated, but it was spotty. Then we'd, we'd go back down into a patch of fog, and it's kind of like, man, we really need light here. That, 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 the light and burning off of the fog would make this drive a lot easier. Well, that's what God's light and truth does. It, it clarifies. And, and this, guy, this psalmist is praying, send this out so that I can see clearly what is truth and what is not. And what's the confusion? I've got these circumstances that are screaming at me. And it's a fog, it's darkness, and, and, and I'm confused, and, and I'm wondering, is, is God real? God, are you real? So, so would you send out your light, and would you send out your truth, that I may see things as they are? Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God, again. The importance of praise. 
It's just not something we do to get to the sermon. This guy says, I'm going to be involved in that. And you know, what he's asking for in this hard time is not an escape. He's saying, God, I want to be in your presence. So one more time, the third time, he asked the question. Why? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. See, we, we've seen this psalmist battle. And we've seen him come. What I need is to be in God's presence. I, I, need, to, I need clarity. I, I need to be with God. And that involves uh, multiple things. It, it's a place. It's, it, it's being in corporate worship. It's being one-on-one -on -one before God. And if I can get there, then I can have hope. So why do we always have hope? Here's what I'd say. God's powerful presence gives us hope, regardless of our circumstances. God's powerful presence gives us hope, regardless of our circumstances. The problem with circumstances is they cloud it, and we get focused on them, and they scream at us, where is your God, where is your God? And then we lose it, and we get sucked into those circumstances, and we go down, and we don't have hope. And my hope is that we'll hope again. Not because our circumstances are going away, because we're able to see through it to be in God's presence. God's power. Remember, remember the guys in the relay? I swam the medley relay. I swam the backstroke leg. I was the leadoff leg. It didn't matter if I was behind. Because one of these guys anchored the freestyle. And he could, so keep swimming hard. Because this guy will clean it up. Keep trusting. Keep living full out. What? Because God will clean it up. God's powerful presence gives us hope. Regardless of our circumstances. And I want to remind you that the reason we can talk about this is Jesus going to the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, the first words he said were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus became sin in our place. He took our place. Because of his death and resurrection, we can be right with God. We can experience God and we can know this God who is personal and who is with us. We can always have hope because of God's powerful presence. So we've um, lived in Nebraska now in Lincoln 21 years. We moved from Arizona, so we had to buy some things we didn't have. We had to buy a, a lawnmower because our, our grass was rocks in Arizona. But the big thing we had to buy, we had to get snow, we had to get winter coats and stuff. We didn't know them, but, but we needed snow removal stuff. And so we bought a shovel, and for the last 21 years, I thought, one of these years, I'm going to get a snowblower, but I never have. I never have. And so most snowstorms are a couple of things, a couple of three inches, and, and I'm good with my shovel, and I got two sons, and I get my wife out there. But occasionally, occasionally we get one of these big honking storms. And I'm out there with my shovel, and you know, what I, you know who I'm hoping shows up? I'm hoping a neighbor with a snowblower, and he's always done it. Nebraskans are great. For the last 21 years, we've lived in two different places. I've got these neighbors, and they, they show up. And I'm out there pitifully shoving shoveling away, just hoping these guys will show up. And then it takes them about 10 minutes to do what would take me eight hours, right? Because this thing's, and I just cruise right through that. 
I need the presence of those guys to clean up the snow. I can't do it myself. Here's the good news when you follow God. You don't have to hope that he'll show up. He's he's omnipresent. He's always there. And what you can't handle, he can. The problem is we get confused, right? We get in the fog, cloud, and and the, the circumstances when they don't resolve, they shout, don't they? Where's your God? Your God's not real. You can't trust your God. If your God were real, this would be solved. No, no, that's not how God works. He's there in the midst of the storm. So when you walked in, you found a bookmark on your uh, chair. And we put pens on the back of the seats. In a minute, the worship team's going to lead us in closing in a song. And, And I'd like you to think about what is it that's overwhelming you? And would you write it on this side of the bookmark? On the other side of the bookmark is that refrain that we read. Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him for the help of his presence, my God. So this week, uh, this friend I visited is a college roommate. And he's been dealing with prostate cancer for eight years. And he was in a clinical trial and uh, the cancer went away and it came back. So maybe for them, and they're, they're out of tools, be the cancer diagnosis. Another friend, first roommate I had with Campus Crusade, six or eight weeks ago, took a heart attack and died like that. And his wife keeps writing and she's tagging him, his Facebook page, so I'm seeing it. For her, it might be my deceased husband. What is it for you? Is it a health issue? Is it a relationship that just can't quite get resolved? Is it money? I mean, every month you come to the end of the every month you come to the end of the month and you wonder how am I going to get my bills paid? Lord, is it a job you've been frustrated? You've been underemployed? Have you gone through a breakup? What I'm asking you to do is write that here. And choose to look at that in light of who God is. One other thing I'd like to ask you to do when you write this. Would you share what you wrote with a trusted friend? There's a corporate nature to what we do. I mean, the guy said, remember he said, I can't wait to be in the presence of God and the worshiping God. And the... After you write that down, sometime today, Would you share with somebody what you got here? This is where I'm battling. Remember we talk about the battle? I'm battling to believe God in light of this. Would you pray for me that I would believe God, hope in God in light of this? They're going to lead us now. Worship is going to lead us now. And I invite you to take time to consider what would God have you write in that open space.